Welcome to the party. I know, but it doesn't always show up on that stupid thing. So, so we're halfway through class now, for those of you who are listening. No, we're not. All right. So um, we're going to let things that seem, seem to be allegory be allegory, things that present themselves as fact be fact. Okay? It, it really is. It, it isn't as hard as it sounds. People twist it, though, to mean whatever they want it to say. Um, instructions types. We talked about how, and we used examples from last week, that um, there, are, there is a difference between command and guideline. We used the uh, Pauline example where Paul says, uh, the Lord says, not I, and then he turns around and gives a different instruction that says, now I say, but not the Lord. So command from God, guideline from me. Here's how it should be done. Um, unique versus universal. Is the instructions given uh, when Jesus tells the rich young ruler to sell everything he has? Is he is the, is that an instruction that is for every person? Is it universal? Does it apply to all of us that we are all to sell everything we have, give it to the poor, or is it uh, unique? That was uh, something that Christ wanted from him. Okay. Prescriptive versus restrictive. We use the example uh, the example of and there's 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 more than this one. It's just one of the easiest ones for me. Uh, of, of an elder, an elder is to be the husband of but one wife. So is that prescriptive, meaning he must have a wife, or is it restrictive that he may only have one wife? Which way do we read it? Is it telling us the way it has to be, or is it limiting uh, 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 the different variations? Is it restrictive, prescriptive? And then implicit versus explicit. We use the example of baptism, where the Great Commission, Jesus says, uh, go into all the world and baptize. Okay, so that's a command. Uh, that, that is what we would consider explicit. It says it exactly. There's no ambiguity. But then we use the example of Ananias looking at the uh, Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, and saying, what are you waiting for? Rise and be baptized, calling upon his name. Uh, wash your sins away, calling upon his name. He, he tells him, what are you waiting for? Do so immediately. Peter tells Cornelius to do it immediately. Paul, when he encounters the disciples of John who are teaching about Jesus, he tells them, you need to do this immediately. It's, it's the first thing that uh, it seems to be that there is an understanding that baptism is the first thing, that one of the first things that someone does when they become a believer. It is a part of the beginning process of the journey. Uh, again, now we can get into different go different than there, but that it, it seems to imply that. It doesn't specifically come out and say that. It implies it. Last things, basic principles of interpretation. Three we're going to take. There's so many of these guys, and I, I'm boiling this down. I'm sorry, but um, we're, going to, we're going to interpret with this uh, in mind. Scripture does not contradict Scripture. And then we are going to um, uh, we are going to realize that proper interpretation begins with context. We let the we let it say what it is. Okay. What is it? What does it seem to be? What does it seem to be saying? We start from there. Okay. What does it say in context with everything else? Three proper interpretation seeks intent. Why was? What was the author mean? We we want to understand that. There may be other inter, there may be other interpretations, especially in allegorical texts. But why did John write down the book of Revelation? Why did he send it to these seven churches? What was the point? What was what was in his mind when he when he sends it out? Okay. Questions, comments, thoughts? Um, All right. Now, um, 
what we are going to do is we are going to, the great thing about the handout as you have it now is it has the scriptures in the order that we will be uh, looking at them. There may be one or two that I have added, that I have uh, found, that I wanted to add. That's how I wanted to start. Did any of you have any scriptures that you wanted to add to uh, the discussion of the nature of Jesus or the nature of sin? Did you, If you did any extra study, is there something that you picked up on that you would like to share? That's the correct one. Okay. Jeremiah, which one was that? Jeremiah. Okay. Um, when we get to when we get to the topic of sin, when we get to the sin topic, um, we will stop and we will turn in our Bibles and we will. All right, so one of the first, and, and the reason we're doing, ask, asking the question, uh, uh, in essence, Jesus, God or man, is this is going to help us kind of understand what the whole point of this class is about and, and how, how each of these, how we're going to approach it, how we're going to, because here it is um, 2,000 years later, and most of us, I would, I would, I would, I actually would uh, guess that 100% of us believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man, that he was 100% both. Do you know why you believe that? The reason is, is because 1,800 years ago, the church had a massive, massive problem with understanding the humanity of Jesus and understanding the divinity of if there was any divinity of Jesus. They had a ton of different ways to try to process it and understand it. Um, so you have the one that we have come to accept, uh, which would become known as um, Trinitarianism. Right? There, there is a trinity. That uh, uh, Jesus is a part of that trinity. He is God, but he was also man. There were teachings um, that the, the modalists believed that there is a God, he was the father in the Old Testament, he descended into human form, and he was, he became Jesus the Son, and then when he died, he went up to heaven and became the Holy Spirit, and that there is still only one God, we just interact with him as a Holy Spirit now, that's called modalism. There's tons of, there are tons of different understandings. Um, there are understandings that actually don't have there were people that didn't have three, that there was only two, okay? Um, and then we get into this, there's dichot dichotomous, trichotomous. Anyway, um, the, is it the Father and the Son are one, and the Holy Spirit is just the force that binds them together so that it's not a, it's not a part of God, on and on and on. So we take a lot for granted when we start by saying, yeah, we all think there were people who said, uh, dealing with Jesus only, that he appeared in the form of a man but wasn't actually manifest as a man. Meaning, he was there, you could touch him, but he wasn't really a human being. 
he was he was as God when God appeared to Abraham. God appeared to Abraham and came and talked to him as a man, sat down and ate with him, as did two angels. They sat down and had a meal with him. So there were people that thought he, he came that way, that he wasn't fully man, that he was part God, part man, or all God, no man, all and then you then you get to Mormon, right? Mormonism today, which is Jesus was all man and no God. He's the only man, fully man, who was perfected and, be, and, and was given Godhood. And so through him we can get Godhood. So let's look at the scriptures and um, ask ourselves which it is. Um, the first one that should be on your sheet there is the Hebrews 4, 14 to 15. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. All right, so what do we learn in this passage? What does that passage, you tell me, what does this passage say about the humanity of Jesus and or the divinity of Jesus? Some of them will have both, some of them won't have any. What does that teach us about who Jesus is? What does it tell us? Son of God. Well, what, what is that? Is that? Is that humanity or is that deity? Just this passage. No, and in fact, the, the phrase son of God was confusing. Even They didn't know what he meant whenever he said that, which is why he, and, and it, maybe I read it wrong, but sometimes I think Jesus just had fun confusing us. And that's why he, it, it says that he preferred, he preferred the, the terminology son of man. He, that's, he preferred it. It's interesting. It, it, it's almost like we would think son of God would be the unique thing, right? Because it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's God. Who, who was in the form of a man, or, or, or a, a man like God. And Jesus is going, no, I'm the son of man. I'm a God who looks like you. It, it's, it's kind of a, a, a fun thing. Anyway, so this passage says he, he's like us. He, So like us in every respect. Oh.
Is that okay to qualify? You all right with that? He is tempted as us in every as in every respect. Right. Let's hope this isn't giving us the sole answer. Do you guys agree? With, I mean, we are, and, and I'm just going to throw it out there. It's going to be okay to, we, we are, one of the things we're discussing with this is being okay with challenging ideas. We are not challenging each other. We are challenging ideas, and we, and we, I want you to challenge mine because I, I want, I want the truth. So don't be, we don't be afraid of, of doing it. So his point, his point is, one second, his point is, is that Jesus is, the, uh, in being called the Son of God, it is uh, by 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 very definition um, claiming, and you can tell me to erase this if you want to, that he is of the same nature as the Father. Would would, would that be agreeable? That um, I'm not going to give my wife's not give birth to anyone. Uh, my wife my wife is not going to give birth to uh, a hyena. It isn't going to happen. Uh, our offspring share the same nature. Um, we are by they are by extension, not just representatively us, but also materially. They are what we are. Jeff.
So let me one thing. One thing. I, I, of course, I need to restate. You brought in the word "fallen nature of man," which isn't from this text and is coming from without. The assumption that there is a fallen nature being talked about, which hasn't necessarily been. This passage doesn't establish that. So, but uh, taking taking the point, there's a couple of things. One is the the passing through the heavens. Is that him coming from heaven to earth, or is that the man from earth going to heaven? How do we how do we balance that out? Which 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 is it? I think you're right. I think it's uh, I think it's it's both actually. Huh? Passing through the heavens. you see sim in a word? What, is that, what does that usually uh, indicate? Sympathy. Sympatico. Um, huh? Yep. Symphony. Yeah. It is It is one. So a symphony is a lot of instruments that are when you're simpatico, you, you think alike. It, uh, sympathy means it, it's more than just I get that you're hurting. It's I have felt that. I have felt that hurt. It's a li- it, there's, a, there's a likeness here. And so when he says uh, that, that he, he sympathizes, it really is catching this like us in All right, let's do, let's do the next one, the next, um, the next verse, Hebrews two fourteen to eighteen. That's the next one on your list, right? Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So this one's very similar. Carries some of our thoughts a little, carries some of his thoughts further. So what does, what does this one speak of? How, how is this one, uh, how is this verse? Okay. Flesh and blood, and the, the idea that, to, to not put too fine a point on it, blood was the source of life. 
that was their understanding. That's why they could not eat blood. They could not any of that. Uh, and that's why it was the blood of the offerings that uh, of the sacrifices that made atonement for sin. The, the life was in the blood. So when he's saying the children are flesh and blood, so he had to. He was flesh and blood. That is saying that he was, he didn't appear to be a man. He was. He didn't appear as one. This one, I, if you could, no, I'm not going to say that. You're going to find this one passage right here throwing a wrench in a lot of things we'll talk about over the next weeks. So he is made us in every way. That's a good point. How would he have been tempted? Now here's inter- now here, here's a here's an interesting question. We don't. So I'm trying to think of the words. What words? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to put this as kind of a subset of this one. Made like us in every way. It specifically uses the words. He suffered. He suffered in temptation. What does that mean? What does it mean when you suffer in temptation? Very good, very good. Um, so when it talks about him being made like us in every way, and this is going to be, again, so let me ask this. Was anyone not here last week and needs one of the notebooks I supplied? And the, re- the, reason, the reason you have the notebook is because all of these things build, and that's the, that's the point of theology. It all builds, which is why one passage taken to mean whatever you want it to mean, it just doesn't work. They all will culminate. That is going to be pretty interesting. So um, Pat mentioned that he was made, he was made, uh, he was made like us, made as us, made, I, I like the, the made us in every way, not only physically, This, this is a big 
most Christianity does not accept the fact that, or does not believe that Jesus had the nature of man. We don't know that, but most don't. We know that he took not only our physical, that he that he not only did he uh, want for physical things, but the temptations of Satan were what? Eat, power, acquisition, name, influence, all the same things that Eve faced, which were the food, that was a physical temptation, the other was a spiritual temptation. The suffering is that So there is a part of the human Jesus that wants the same things we wanted, or there wouldn't have been a temptation. A temptation requires desire. And now I'm making a point without using scripture, so I'm going to have to remind myself to interject James here. Uh, I'll put that in my little notes. Go ahead. Pat, you got something? Yes, Chris, I'm sorry, I skipped over you. Don, go ahead. So Don brought up a passage that's not in ours which is the fact that on the cross, Jesus cries out to the Father and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you uh, left me? That's right. Well, so there there had to be humanity for God to abandon him. Yeah, that's the next one in John 20. I am going to your God, but he doesn't, he doesn't say I'm going to your God. There, there's a reason that he includes your God and my God. Go ahead, Jeff. So, okay, 
hold that because you connected some things that I didn't connect that are going to come in here in just a minute. Because basically what you did was you just laid, and I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I had not ever made the connection between, I've made a lot of connections between Genesis and John chapter 1. Genesis 1 and John chapter 1, they're two different creations. You just made the connection in my head that I, I hadn't made, is that God, when he made us, made us like him. And it's so it is important that the Hebrew writer says, he was made like us. It is a, a, a reflection of the creation. For him to be made like us means that he was like us. For us to be made in his likeness means that we we weren't us. We, we were something different than his likeness. So that's sorry, chills. I like those. Those are fun things. Uh, so we'll come. I'm going to connect that in a minute. So Jesus said, uh, "Your God, your God, my God." Uh, so Jesus calls God. calls God God. John 14, 28. Um, you heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced for I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. Father, Jesus clearly says, the Father is greater than I am. Your God, my God. And then the last one of this is Galatians 4, 4 to 5. Um, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might have adoption, we might receive adoption as sons. So, what does this one teach us? There's a lot in this one. Galatians is very rich. There's a ton. Well, the fullness of time is when everything is ready. I can get into that. That's a long discussion. He pre-existed. That kind of gets what Jeff was saying earlier. You know, exactly. He pre-existed. He came from something. He didn't just come to be. He came from. What else does this show us? All right. So he is born of a woman. Wow. We're ascribing to the Gaia theory that God, no, I'm not, I'm not at all. Okay. Um, born of a woman. Do not, and do not, do not misconstrue that, that uh, though lineage was, was most often traced through the father, it was understood that they were born of the mother. The, the dad bears no responsibility. He bears none of the, none of the consequences of childbirth. Yeah, yeah, we carry no, we don't bear any of it. 
What else does it say? Born of a woman, that's humanity. Right now, you may be asking yourself, why in the world do we even believe that he's God? By the way, it's not in the Old Testament. That, that, that right there, born under the law, gets ignored. I have, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Doing, my, doing the research and stuff, I cannot tell you how many arguments start, how many people's arguments, the things we're going to talk about, begin with Jesus was not under the law. Because in order to come to the conclusions that a lot of people have, you have to assume that he was not under the law. you got to be under it to fulfill it. I can't pay off a mortgage unless I'm bound to it. So, Christ in coming, born under the law, means he's bound to the law. The weight, the burden, consequence, all of that. He's under it. Okay. Any, anything else from this passage? the offspring, the, the heir, the legitimate. He is not, I can't tell what is legitimate. I have, I have adopted kids. I don't know what they're legitimate. Um, they're, they're, not, they're not of me as those born of me are of me. But my adopted, I love as much. And it's actually taught me a lot about God and the, the love that he has for us as adopted. But that's, that's a good point. I think there is a distinction there. So if there is a distinction, then he is, it, that points to his divinity. Chris, now, go ahead. Right, right. Be, be, yeah, and begotten, begotten and born are the two versions of the, of the same word. One is male, one is female. Bore means the woman carried him. He came from her. Begotten means he came out of the Father. He, because that was their, un, I'm not trying to be crude here, that was their understanding is that the human being was carried in the male. This was all, all ancient world. They believed that the person was in the male contribution and that the egg was the incubator. So the woman gave the man's child man begets. That's why it's he spreads his it's it, he spreads his seed. The seed just all it needs is the ground, any ground. <laughs> and it's going to grow up. And not a pleasant thought, but that's in context uh, how it is. Yes, sir. to be about my father's business. Yeah. It'll go on my list. I love it. See, thank you. You guys are writing notes for me. You get no credit. 
instrumental. Um, okay. Uh, that passage, when you read it, Jesus is 12, that alone is significant. That alone is significant because um, he is not able to speak for himself until he's 13. So when he says that, there is there's a, um, a claim and there's a claim to authority because God is his father. And so what he does is his father's responsibility when you're 12. At 13, it becomes your own responsibility. You become accountable to the Lord. Okay, let's get down to the next ones. Scriptures, um, let's go. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was and then John 1.14, same passage, just a little bit down. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So using these two passages from John 1, what is um, imparted to us? Okay. Okay. So you have... existed prior to the beginning. That's what it means. In, in, in the beginning, before the start, as it started, he was. He was. He always was. So, um, so he was prior to the beginning. What else does it tell us? I mean, yeah, hello. Thank you, John. He was God. Uh, but then he had John. Thank you, John, for this next little bit. He was with God. So he is and beside at the same time, which is, um, yeah. We just accept that to be true because uh, we don't understand that very well. says right there in verse 3. Nothing was made without him. Okay? You're right. And that, that's very important for the, for the Trinity um, discussion. The fact that God, when he makes man, says, let's make man but right there in that John, I mean, it says he is, he's the creator, that it was by him, through him. Oh, no, that's a, now I'm quoting a different passage. What? Yes, just this one. I'm going to put that up here with the with the with the sent from. Why would I put the concept that he's called the Word as? Uh, why would I connect that with he he 
is sent forth. Yeah. When you speak, you are sending from you out. It, 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 is, it is you, but it is what it is as well. So he is the word that is sent forth. So um, trying to think of what wording he isn't. This does not specifically say he is the creator. He is... That's, there it is. He was not created. We can say that because nothing was created that without him. Uh, nothing was made. Um, and he was involved in it. Uh, the extent to which his passions are necessarily read. Logos, which is word, also corresponds with will, the force of will. God wants it to, if you want to play it that way, God wants it to happen, and the will is what makes it happen. Maybe not the creative force, well, no, maybe not the creative not the originator of creation, but the force behind it, if you will. Is that interesting? Um, let's do Colossians 2, 9 to 12. For in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ and then buried with him by baptism uh, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. What does this tell us? I, I, this one basically lays it out for us nicely. fully divine in a real body. Not in the appearance. He, he, was, he was in man's form. So let's throw this in here. Uh, to be raised by God, something had to happen to him first. He died. God doesn't die. He died, and uh, God raised. That's a good, good connection. So you bring up the, was he, when he was born, the fullness of God, uh, the, the, fullness of, the fullness of deity, or was he merely man? And then we see the deity at, the, um, at, at his baptism which is actually, the reason I'm bringing it up is I've heard that argument, and especially considering the fact that this passage is actually connecting 
Jesus's humanity and deity and our baptism. I mean, there is a connection there. I'm not, I'm not saying what that is. I'm just saying that's an interesting observation. Now, with, without getting too far in the weeds here, that assumes that we understand what the nature of death is, what death is, that death is a ceasing to exist, which I don't really know that biblically that it is. It is a transition state, or depending on how you look at it. So, so the deity could enter into death because it's a, it's a state. So maybe, I'm, I'm with you. You know, we, we will never die, right? And Paul says, we're, we're, just, we're just sleeping. But Christ had to taste of death. Whoa. Did anyone, did everyone hear that? She said uh, she noticed that it is in the present tense, and actually I'm, I can't remember what the name of the tense is, where it is present and ongoing. That's a tense. Uh, I am jumping. That doesn't mean just this moment I'm jumping. It means I'm in the process of jumping. This is uh, he, he is deity dwelling in bodily form, and then immediately what does the passage go to? So now, though he is no longer in the, he is no longer in the flesh, he continues, the fullness of deity continues to dwell bodily. That's it. Maybe. I'm, I mean, that's a, that's a, this is fun. Is this fun or annoying? I, I, I'm, I'm having a blast. Go ahead, Pat. And, that, and what I like about it is that it, it, it connects even his current still to our to our form that he's in and so on. That, that's awesome. Uh, okay, let's do the, la, uh, the the two right there, John 14 and John 10. Uh, believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or believe on account of the works themselves. I and the Father are one.
which, if you're curious, the reason he would say that is in reference to the Old Testament, where, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Not one. It doesn't say one God. It says the Lord your God is one. All right, last two pass. Uh, oh, uh, how much time? We are out of time, but let's finish the couple of passages. Philippians two five to eight. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is like, we just, we just let a pinball machine go. It's all over the place, right? It, it is saying all of it at the same time. You've got, he is in the form of God. Okay? Now, interesting that this one says form of God because all the others talk about how he is in the form, like he's something else in the form of man. This is, he is in the, in the form, he is in the form of God, but we also see he empties himself. So what, what do you think that means, that he empties himself? I think this kind of gets to what uh, uh, Jim was addressing. What does it mean to be emptied of self? So he carried the full nature of the divine in him, but walked in human form, emptied of the authority. It was not taken. See, now that's the, that, that's the, that's the other key, remember, is that his emptiness was not taken. Uh, his fullness was not taken from him. He, he laid it down. And he says that basically to Pilate, right? He says to Pilate, he says, I, you, not to I lay this down. I empty myself. And so, though he is God, he does not, he does not, when he, hold on a second, Jeff, I'll, I'll get you. When he speaks, the authority behind the words is not the authority of the Son of God, it is, it is the authority of the Father. When he heals, it is not by the power of the Son, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. He walked fully emptied of self. And one of the reasons he could do that is because unlike Eve, who wanted to be like God, she was trying to reach up to something she wasn't. He was already there. He couldn't be envious of what was already there. Go ahead, Jeff.
didn't stop being. Chris, real quick so I can get to these last two. I mean, he was recognized beforehand. Yeah. Right. All right, Simeon and Anna. Hi, hon. Um, okay, last two, real quick. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Um, I believe that you read this, so I'm just going to point out the, the, I don't want to say important part, but the, the significant or different part, unique part. Um, he is the radiance of God's glory, so he is that which comes forth. Again, we get that imagery of, of that which comes from. But he is also the, I love this, exact imprint of his nature and upholds the universe by the word of his power. But then he sat next to God, so. Um, I, I'm just going to write that one out here, it is boy, you know what, I, I've always seen that the exact imprint as a representation of God or as it meaning his divinity but it's almost, it can almost be used for both that he was he was the reflection of, the shadow of, whatever however you want to say it, the imprint but you put that layer on so he is the exact imprint of God's nature when you see Jesus, you see God, which is why Jesus looks at Thomas. Thomas says, show us the Father, and that will be enough. He goes, do you not recognize me? I've been with you this long. You don't even recognize me? Of course they didn't. They go, man, we're having a difficult It's a difficult time to try to work through this. They didn't have any of this. All right, last one there is John 12, 49. Uh, Jesus says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me, so those were coming forth, has himself given me a commandment what to say and how to say and so this goes you know you got all those different passages you know Jesus made himself lower than the angels which means he wasn't um, uh, he submitted to the, God's commandments which means that he was above it at one point he, he was he was beyond it he was not under it all right and this doesn't, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, there's more. There's more. And, and, and they all tie together. And so what we do is we look at these scriptures as we're going through and we ask ourselves, how do things that seem to say, the di say something different? He's fully divine, but he was made like us in every way. How do you take things that seem to disagree and make what do you do with it? And ultimately, to me, you have to come up with the understanding that makes it all true. All of those statements true. Any interpretation that leaves any of those aspects out has to be wrong because the scripture can't be wrong. That's one of the 
principles we're using. And so these were the four, uh, I was going to write them up, we're out of time, so the four points of coalescence. I like that word, that's a fun word. Coalescence, where things come together and are united into one, combined. So um, I wrote down, and, and of course you can disagree with any of this, but I'm going to tell you where I, after doing this. One, the word was clearly, fully divine, one with the Father, ever present. Nothing up there to disagree with that statement. None of the scriptures do, do that. Number two, Jesus was the name given to the form which the word took being born into human existence. Oh, and the flesh and experience he was born into is the same as us. Does anything seem to disagree with that, that statement? He was us. Number three, Jesus, though fully God, was able to be fully human by restraining or not exercising his own inherent divine authority, but submitting to the authority of the Father and the power of the Spirit, he was able to do and teach. His divine authority was not removed. It was submitted by choice. He chose. Oh, I wrote, and, and so that in all things his experience in this life was the same as ours. Because ultimately, ultimately, right, that's what we all face. I carry my own authority. I was created in his image. Am I going to exercise my will or am I submitted to his will? And that's what Christ came to teach us. Last thing, number four, this is why God, or this is why, though God, Jesus performed no miracle, until after he was filled with the Holy Spirit and only spoke as the Father told him, um, so that in all ways, in all respects, we would understand what was and is possible in him. And I, can, I should have this one here, uh, the, the one in John where Jesus says, you're going to go on and you're going to do more amazing things he came to show us what was possible and to do what none of us had the courage or the strength to do. Now, I, uh, I will put those. I will put those little four points maybe on a, on a sheet of paper or something, so because we're going to want to keep a tally as we build these points, because what we've done is. What we have done is looked at Scripture, and we now understand some about Jesus, and we have made some understanding about him. These understandings are based solely and completely on Scripture. Now, as we go forward, if we start talking about the nature of sin 
and a scripture seems to disagree with what we have already concluded from scripture about the nature of Jesus, we don't have to go back to all of these scriptures. We can go back to the points that we've all agreed on tonight, which is he was fully God. He was fully man. He did not exercise his authority. He stepped, okay? All of those things are there. He fully took on our nature so that we could fully take on his, etc. So the reason I say that is because as we get into other things, other issues, instead of having to go back and try to sort through and search through all of these scriptures that we've already dealt with, we're going to use our conclusions and we're going to build off of those. Okay, does that make sense? So if we read something and it seems to say Jesus, Jesus wasn't fully divine, we don't have to come back here and try to find which scripture disproves. We've already done that tonight. He was fully divine. He was fully human. He had fully our nature. He had fully the Father's nature. He was born under the law. He suffered as we suffered and was tempted in every way as we are. Those are our conclusions about Jesus. So, anything from here out that disagrees with that is in disagreement with the scriptures that we've read. Isn't theology fun? <laughs> oh my goodness. It is so exciting. Okay. And, and, and just think, this was supposed to be half of the class. We were supposed to get to sin tonight. We were supposed to do Jesus and sin. And so I'm not going to hand you out the next handout because just go ahead and read this back page. It says about sin again. Look at the new verses that are in it. That's what we will tackle next time. Okay, but here's, you can go ahead and advance it. Um, here, here,